Welcome to this Canvas History Podcast interview. Corinne Duhamel spoke with Mark Reed, Editor-in-Chief of Canvas History Magazine, about her article, Life on the Land, for the 100th anniversary issue of Canvas History. I hope you enjoy. I'm Karen Jamel. I'm an Ishtabe Métis. I'm based here in Winnipeg. I am a historian by training, but I work in a lot of different areas, <laughs> and I do a lot of different projects. And this was a really great project where I felt like there was something important to say about these photographs and about this material that hadn't necessarily been said before or constructed before. So I was really happy to become involved because I think that there's there's a, a real lack of, of writing and understanding about how history is made and how archives are formed. And I think photographs are a part of that. So one of the things I think that would be interesting to know is what familiarity did you have with the beaver before not only just starting this project, but you you have sort of worked with Canada's History Society in the past, so obviously you were familiar with the beaver through that work. But going back even further, when when did you first become aware of the magazine and sort of what was your picture or your thoughts about the, the beaver that you knew before you really got involved in this project and more involved in the History Society? Yeah, I think that, uh, you know, I knew the beaver, like many historians know the beaver, as sort of an interesting primary source document that really gave us some insight into what was going on within the sort of popular national imagination as it related to issues with Indigenous communities and issues in the North. So I was familiar with the magazine as a researcher, but not necessarily in any other capacity. And so I saw it as an important resource that sort of has been underexploited or underused by historians to understand the past. Now, obviously, the beaver itself, and in your research and, and going into the archive that we have online, the beaver itself has changed a lot over time. And, of course, it's kind of interesting that that original magazine had a tagline, a secondary title. It was called The Beaver, A Journal of Progress. And, mm-hmm. you know, so I guess even the definition of progress uh, is very nebulous, depending on who you're speaking with. And it can be used in the wrong way as well when you describe mm-hmm. things progressing. But I guess, you know, when, when you when you started looking into your research to write your article, what sort of struck you as you were looking at some of the older issues of the magazine and how the magazine progressed over time? Yeah, I think that what struck me when I was starting to look at sort of the magazine, and in particular some of the older issues, was really this colonial gaze that was part and parcel of the way that it did its work. And I think it's important to note that it was a magazine that was subtitled with progress, but progress defined in very Eurocentric and non-Indigenous terms. So for me, to look at the photos and to imagine the people that took them was a really interesting exercise. And I think that one that you don't always go to when you're looking at pictures, you often just say, oh, here's a photograph of this, or here's a photograph of that. But we very rarely interrogate the the taker of the photos and the consumer of the photograph as an important part of that historical conversation. I really loved in your essay that you wrote that idea of how you can have the same photo and yet people see different things in the photo depending on their life experiences, where they're coming from, and their perspectives. And so in your essay, you mention about what might have happened if the Europeans, you know, the settlers who were coming into the region, who were supposedly bringing the progress to the north, had viewed these images and the people that they met 
with a totally different lens than that colonial lens. I'm, I'm just really struck by that. And if, I wonder if you wanted to speak just to, about that, just to kind of expand on that for uh, a few seconds. Yeah, I mean, I think that when we think about the people that were going into the region during that period, the focus during that time for non-Indigenous people going into the region was really about that this was a place that was going to change imminently. It was going to undergo a radical and, and relatively rapid societal transformation. And that part of capturing these images was about capturing what existed before or what was already there because it was going to change very imminently. And so I think that lots of the pictures that we see look at, oh, look at, that's very cute. Look at these goggles that they fashioned. You know, look at this nice knife that they've made from the resources of the land without necessarily considering the work that went into that and the technology that goes into that and the knowledge that goes into that, right? And the adaptability. And I think, you know, when you look at just sort of the general history of Europeans going into the North, there's a lot of that, right? Where people go in and they're like entering the situation or entering that context, thinking that they're bringing people all these great things, when in reality, the people that are there that have been living there forever and who already have adapted technology based on the environment are holders of so much knowledge. And so I think that when non-Indigenous people went in, they were looking at what they could give to these people already living there instead of looking at what the people already living there had learned about the environment, had learned about the land over such a long time of living there and being in that environment. So I think it's really interesting because as an Indigenous person, I'm looking at the pictures really differently, right? And I'm looking at the pictures with a different perspective and a different set of values. And so I'm looking at the things that make Indigenous people and communities strong, which are family and kinship and connection to the land. And for me, that's what stands out about the images, right? Those themes are all there. What we know, the, the people that are in our environment, the people that we work with, the people that we live with. And those are the really beautiful stories that I think come out in those photographs that are definitely not part of what people who are taking them or going in in the first place were thinking that they might capture. So the special issue, it deals, you know, you, you've written a chapter called Life on the Land, which focuses on Indigenous peoples and communities. But there's also chapters about the wildlife in, in the north and how transportation and technology changed societies up there. And there's a special chapter as well about the HBC because the presence of the HBC was just so impactful on life in the north. As a whole, what do you hope readers come away with in terms of reading the special issue of maybe using it as a launch pad to explore the archives that we have online digitized and kind of moving forward because at Canada's History, obviously we're not stopping at the 100th anniversary. We're going to continue publishing Canada's History magazine, but you want to learn, you want to grow. And if I dare say you want to progress in the best sense of that word, I just mm -hmm. wonder what you personally as a writer who took part in this project are hoping that the readers will get from and come away with after reading the magazine. Yeah, I mean, I think that what I hope for readers in reading the magazine is that they'll come away with a new understanding of first how to use some of these sources in a different way or an understanding of how to look at them differently to see the other stories that they contain that may not have been written or have not been talked about as much. And so it's really about looking at not only this archive, but archives in general, as a way to learn about things that 
those materials weren't necessarily intended in the first place to convey. So I hope that they encounter the beaver differently, that they encounter the photographs differently, and that ultimately that people encounter communities differently, understanding that the communities that are photographed and the communities that often appear in the archives as sort of the objects of this project of progress, in fact, had so many and have so many teachings and so much rich knowledge to share with non-Indigenous Canadians whether that is about the land or that is about values or that is about ceremonies. There's so much knowledge to share. And I hope that people come away with a thirst for that knowledge and an understanding that there's a different way to read these things. There's a different way to look at them and that we should look at them, particularly in this day and age, through this new lens of sort of relationship building and reconciliation, understanding that it's possible to encounter historical sources in a different way and to use them in a different way, to learn from people, which is, I think, you know, what many of my relatives probably intended when the first Europeans came to meet with them, right? We wanted for Europeans to walk with us. We wanted for Europeans to learn from us because we had already learned so much from living on the land since time immemorial. And so I hope that people come to it and come away with, from the project with that. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate it, Corinne, both for your your wonderful essay and also for this conversation. Thank you.